The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss artificial intelligence and things like email and database architecture. Joining us is Brian McKenna, who is the VP of CRM at DMI Partners, which is a full-service performance marketing agency working with today's leading consumer B2B and e-commerce brands like Henkel, Sargento, Smithfield Foods, Vineyard, Vines, Anthropology, and my favorite, Skims. DMI's email and affiliate management accompanies a best-in-class suite of digital services to engage target audience that drive revenue. Yesterday, Brian and I talked about leveraging AI in email tools, and today we're going to continue our conversation by discussing database architecture for future AI. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Brian McKenna, the VP of CRM at DMI Partners. Brian, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Good to be back. Excited to have you back on the show. Yesterday, we talked about where we stand in terms of the life cycle of artificial intelligence, how we are in what I called the sandwich phase. Human prompts AI, AI returns results, human edits results to make sure that they're actually useful. Can't quite automate everything, but we're getting a little bit closer every day. The GPT store is out. There's more point solutions, more technology being built around the artificial intelligence ecosystem. So as we start to think about the evolution of artificial intelligence, talk to me about what brands can do to make sure that they're setting themselves up for success, specifically thinking about some of the backend technology like your database architecture. How do you set up your database architecture for future AI? That's a great question. And I mentioned yesterday where we sit in the space is very much agnostic of our clients' MarTech stack. So we sit in a unique space and get to see all sorts of different setups. You know, I think the biggest piece for us that we routinely run into is that our clients don't inherently have high confidence in the accuracy of the data they're collecting today. And so I think from our work with them, a lot of our work is really thinking through, okay, what do we have foundational that it can be relied upon? If we're thinking in a future state where we're going to be leveraging AI to make decisions on emails, we're going to want to make sure that all that data that is being fed into it is accurate. And so some of that work is really thinking through, okay, what do we have today that is reliable? What do we need to throw out because we can't rely on it? And almost start at ground one of very much a crawl, walk, run approach of what are we storing today? How can we set up systems to be collecting in the future? And how can we do so in such a fashion that we're making sure that that data is reliable and actionable? Data cleanliness is next to data godliness. 
I don't know if that should be on a t-shirt. Maybe that should be the <laughs> new MarTech t-shirt. But I understand what you're saying in the sense of if you don't have clean data, then if you're feeding that into a large language model, the results you're getting back are not going to be perfect. Right. That's not a new problem, right? If you didn't have clean data, your results suck before artificial intelligence. And now if you don't have clean data, well, you're not going to be able to automate or let the machines take over. So how is it different? You know, is this just the same problem of like good businesses have good data or has it changed with the evolution of artificial intelligence? No, I think it's very much the same story again, but I guess the potential of leveraging, you know, again, if we're in the sandwich phase, we have the right guardrails in place to make sure, okay, like, no, this actually is leading to bad results. The bad data could potentially get us in hot water. If we're thinking through going to a system where like emails really are more automated and the creation of those emails is much more automated, the potential issues with data cleanliness become much more ugly, I guess is what I would say. And so it's this very much the same problem, but could be manifesting in much more dangerous ways as we look to potentially be able to leverage AI in the future. One of the things that I have questions about is how the data is actually fed into your LLM to perform the actions you want. And it seems like there is a lack of transparency from the major models, specifically OpenAI, in terms of like, wait, what data did you collect before I knew you existed? And how is that being used? And should I be feeding you my data? Or there's just so much uncertainty around what is public domain and what isn't. How do you think that plays into the future of artificial intelligence? And and how should we think about what we make available and how we make it available? In terms of a lot of the confidence in trying to move out of the sandwich phase of AI use in email, that is something that our clients have foundational questions about and, and understanding, okay, what is the source of this data? Is it just going to be prompts and data that we're making uh, accessible to the language algorithm? Or is it something that's going to be fed additional information? And what is our degree of confidence in that email? So it's uh, there's a lot of conversations around that. Admittedly, it's not one where I've heard strong answers or definitive answers today. So I think that's so something that will need to be determined as we move forward to potentially being able to turn it loose in a fashion that is no longer in that sandwich phase. I haven't dug into it too much, but it doesn't seem like there is a robots.txt file using my SEO language for artificial intelligence. Like there's no clear way to say, yep, you can have access to this public data, but I don't want you to use this other stuff. When we think about the database architecture, you need to have clean data. If you want your data to be fed into an LLM, you're going to need some sort of hook there. Are there any changes in terms of the tech stack you think about? If you were starting over from scratch, building a new business, starting to architect your database, what would you do differently now that we are going to be feeding it into an LLM as opposed to what was the pre-AI generation? The reality is I don't think it's much different. I think how we're thinking about it for our clients, even today, any work that we would do to improve their data cleanliness or organize their data in a fashion that is easier to pull into the decision trees of an email journey or into an email itself is going to be actionable today. So I think that there are foundational elements of how we recommend structuring that for our clients. And there is some element that is different depending on their tech stack, or especially as it relates to their email service provider. But I don't think any of that changes because AI is coming. Because today, if we have clean data, then we're going to use it to deliver much more personalized emails. I just think it's a magnitude of scale. So being able to clean up the data now, we could leverage it very quickly and very efficiently for clients to live, deliver better emails. But I think that if anything, in the future state with AI, we're going to be able to do even do that at a larger scale. 
Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I think one of the big challenges when you're setting up your database infrastructure is there's only so much data that us humans can actually digest and make sense of. Should I be capturing all of the clickstream data or, you know, whatever sort of variable of a variable of a variable? It's like, look, I'm never going to have time to go through that and make sense of it and make business decisions from it. So I'm just not going to collect it. Well, now we have the capacity, right? Now it's not us making the decision on how to use that data. There's more data points. Have you thought about data collection and how that might change? Should we be thinking about expanding what we do collect and with the increased ability to analyze data? In terms of how we're collecting data today or how it will be leveraged in the future, very much in alignment with you that collecting more data has more potential impact. Today, we are really thinking through, is this something that we are going to potentially feature in an email or is it going to make a decision on based off of what we should be sending to somebody or when? In the future state, that's going to be much more feeding of the language model to make those decisions on your behalf. So it's not necessarily always collecting the most recent action on like a click-based perspective, but much more how can we collect all of the click-based data and feed that into the model. So I think that is a very good point and what we should be collecting now versus what we're going to be collecting in the future. Yeah, there's this iteration of obviously databases and set up with physical databases, you know, like computers in a storage center has changed. And now we're thinking about cloud computing. And so we have the ability to extend and capture more data just because the overall cost has gone down, the scalability has increased. But now the consumption ability, that's not definitely not a word, but I'm going to leave it in the podcast anyway. Consumption ability, our ability to consume data has increased because artificial intelligence is helping us make sense or understand what is impactful in the data. You know, yesterday I asked you a little bit about, are you using artificial intelligence to 
evaluate your email performance? And the answer was, nah, not really. We use it to figure out what to say, who to say it to, how to send it to them the right time, the basic blocking tackling of email marketing. But it seems like with this additional artificially intelligent horsepower, we now have the ability to do some sort of increased analytics or understanding of what's happening with our consumers. How do you think about the future state of analytics and with the ability to capture and analyze more data? Yeah, and I think that where I think that will be most impactful, especially as it relates to our clients that are not as e-commerce focused. So we work with a larger number of CPG clients where at the end of the day, the vast majority of their customers are not even necessarily interacting with their website, but they might be the most loyal customers they have. And so really thinking through how can we collect more data that can be leveraged to tie that any sort of engagement with our emails back to you know offline purchases and other behaviors. And I think that that is going to be a path forward in terms of like right now, a lot of that is done through panel data and items like that. And if anything, I think that that panel data and that collection and ultimately moving in a direction of thinking through what is the attributional impact of the work we're doing on email, I think that that is going to be a potential game changer in terms of like collecting a lot more data and then tying that back to decisions and potential value of their engagements with email. You know, the more we think about the use of artificial intelligence, there's some irony that it goes back to the beginning. Successful use of advanced technology has to come down to what data you're feeding into your large language model, which means that you have to have collected and cleaned and stored great data. Without access to that sort of foundational portion of your digital assets, your marketing infrastructure, it's going to be hard to be successful moving forward. It's funny that the more that we get these advanced technologies, the more the mistakes that we made before actually end up impacting us, hurting us, or hopefully get out of the way. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Brian McKenna, the VP of CRM at DMI Partners. If you'd like to hear more from Brian, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his company's website, which is dmipartners.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MarTechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.